0: Good day, greetings, hello, and welcome to a brand new season of Art at the End of the World, the podcast where we welcome artists, entertainers, and cultural leaders speaking about what it is to make art here at the end. And it's here that you're going to listen to guests speaking about their contribution to the arts world, and perhaps they might offer some insight and empathy and ideas about this wild world around us. God knows we could use some clarification. (laughs) My name is Mark Wigmore, host of The Oasis on the new Classical FM. And uh, honestly, I could not be more thrilled to get another stab at this crazy project that we started a year ago. Uh, I launched this podcast very much DIY, do-it-yourself style, last year with the help of a few brave souls and advertisers. And I'm going to go ahead and call it a success. At least, in my, at least in my mind. <laughs> we put out uh, 10 exclusive episodes with 10 additional bonus episodes, and we had tens of thousands of listens. So I'm very proud of that first season, which I did uh, more or less on my own. But this is the first season of the show where the Zoomer Podcast Network and the new Classical FM are behind it invested in it, distributing it. And so I'd like to think we will get a little more light on the program this time around. And really, honestly, I couldn't be more excited. So thank you. This is your first time checking in. Uh, thank you for taking the time to listen. If you're returning, thank you so much. I really do uh, appreciate you being here. One of the sponsors from last year's season is back with us, and I want to tell you about Red Eye Media and co-sponsor Crow's Theatre. Crow's Theatre. One of this country's most acclaimed arts organizations and based in Toronto's vibrant East End community, Crow's Theatre creates unforgettable stage productions that examine and illuminate the pivotal narratives of our time. Don't forget Julius Caesar, the urgently contemporary edition directed by Artistic Director Chris Abraham. On stage at Crow's through February 2nd, crowstheatre.com for tickets and info. We're also supported by Red Eye Media, a leading arts and entertainment communications company working with award-winning clients, including Crow's Theater, the Musical Stage Company, SummerWorks Performance Festival, and many others. RedEyeMedia.ca for more info and just a wonderful, wonderful and supportive team there. Thank you so much. So uh, we have an incredible roster of guests this season. I really am uh, looking forward to every conversation that's uh, coming down the pipe. Maybe you want to do a little research, engage in a little arts enjoyment ahead of hearing the episodes next week. Just one of the great arts contributors to this city and this country, a great theatrical mind, a very conscious artistic force in this country, Chris Abraham, the mastermind at Crow's theater. And uh, Chris was actually slated to be on the program last season so don't be fooled, even though Crow's Theatre is a sponsor this season, we've actually been wanting to get him on uh, for the last year or so. Finally, we had a chance to sit down at Crow's, and Chris is my guest next week. And really, when I, I think about the things he has done for that organization, selling it out with crossover performances uh, with the band Stars, for example, uh, putting on immersive events, collaborating with other theatre companies, staging Annie Baker's The Flick, for crying out loud— Uh, The guy really does think big, and uh, looking forward to Chris being here. And in a couple weeks just ahead of the Oscars, Episode 3 will feature legendary filmmaker and producer Robert Lantos, the man behind hundreds of films, dozens of award winners, Adam McGowan's movies, so many of David Cronenberg's films, just a massive force in Canada and international movie making, and we're really looking forward to Robert being here. By the way, his latest is The Song of Names, starring Clive Owen and Tim Roth, and it's still in select theaters. Okay, I think we got, I think we're we're off to some sort of start here, so I think we should get on with the show and this week's guest... music there from Montreal's Alexandra Streliski, the neoclassical award-winning, internationally touring composer, performer and pianist. And we're listening to her very popular InScape recording which she released way back in 2018. And I first heard her music while watching the trailers and movies and TV series from filmmaker Jean-Marc Vallée. His Oscar award-winning Dallas Buyers Club starring Matthew McConaughey, remember that one? Great film. Uh, His movie Demolition starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Underappreciated, if you ask me. That's a great movie. Uh, His Emmy award-winning Big Little Lies on HBO starring Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman. All of those projects featured Alexandra's music. And you know what happens then, right? Suddenly her albums are being streamed like crazy because people are hearing them in the movies. And she's up to over 15 million streams here in 2020. Just exceptional. Not easy to be a musician in this day and age. And she's, uh, she's really doing it. So after the movies and the TV shows, I arrived at the New Classical FM back in February last year. Her record was in the top 10 on the New Classical FM top 20 chart. And uh, it's been a pleasure to present that over and over again, week after week. And guess what? It's still on the chart nearly two years after its release. What a ride for Alexandra Streliski. She's toured the world with this recording, uh, won numerous awards for it, certainly in Quebec. She was long listed for the 2019 Polaris Prize. And that is no easy task for a classical musician. That is a big pop award. They give it to some three chords and a haircut act, normally. uh, But she made that list, playing classical piano music. So she's a force, but... uh, really what captivated me when it comes to Alexandra is her music. InScape has been a major part of my playlist for the last year. It is heartbreaking. It's emotional. It's hopeful. It's thoughtful. It's perfect road music. It's perfect driving music. It's gorgeous and cinematic. Certainly Jean-Marc Valet thought so. And Alexandra could not be a nicer person. Uh, she stopped in Toronto on tour last year. I managed to secure an hour with her Here at the New Classical FM studios. So this is actually going back a little bit. I don't think there's much reference to that. But she isn't in town very often. So, without further delay, Season 2, Episode 1 of Art at the End of the World. Here's my talk with Alexandra Streliski here in the New Classical FM studios in Toronto. (music) that Toronto is not a place you come to that often no it's not four times
1: yeah four times only in your life I have yet much to discover about Toronto
0: it's interesting to me because you know I have such a special place in my heart for Montreal and uh, as much as I love Toronto every time I visit Montreal I see a sense of culture and a sense of uh, being Canadian and a sense of artistry Mm -hmm. that is pretty hard to replicate. It feels very specific, and in fact, that goes through most of Quebec, or at least the major.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's a very artsy city. Very there's, there's actually way too many artists for, for... There's way too much demand for the offer, you know?
0: Very political.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, at, times. Would, yeah, at, times, at times. Yeah, at times. Not always. I've seen more political cities than we are in Quebec. Of but.
0: course. But uh, I guess what I mean to say is, you know, you go for a couple of drinks on a Friday <laughs> night in in Montreal... You know, things can get heated.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's our Latin, you know, sort of heritage. <laughs> it's very European to go on your terrace and just debate. On, very French.
0: <laughs> so how did it work for you? Were, was it always Montreal or did it, is it my understanding that you've been some of the time in France as well?
1: I was actually, my dad is from France. Okay. So I was actually um, partly raised there, but oh. I was born in Montreal. So I spent really most of my time there, but I spent four years in Paris when I was little.
0: Yeah? Like yeah. what age?
1: six to ten years old so I started to play the piano over there
0: okay yeah so uh, what was family for you growing up what was uh, what was the situation
1: Um, it's a bit uh, particular in my family because my dad
0: it's always, it's particular, a- everybody right? Everybody
1: has family <laughs> issues. I'm not going to discuss my family issues here unless you want me to. Of
0: course. I mean, we've got time to get to whatever. <laughs> classical,
1: uh, <But laughs> classical it, FM. Yeah, yeah, no, we, um, this is what
0: we're doing. We're yeah. uh, we're talking about art, we're talking about music, and we're talking about how you got uh, uh, to where yeah, you okay,
1: are. Okay, so. a little bit of therapy there. Yeah, sure. So, no, but my dad, so my dad uh, came from France, so his right. whole family stayed over there. And my mom is from Abitibi-Témiscamingue, which is a very um, distant region of uh, from, of Quebec, from Montreal. It's very far. From from Montreal.
0: Tamiskimi? Is that it's right?
1: A Abitibi, we say. Right. Yeah.
0: Because I go, I have a, uh, I used to stay in a couple different places in northern Ontario and you would right. get the satellite weather Yeah, it's very close. that you would hear. Yeah. And uh, they would sometimes mention mm-hmm. that region and mm-hmm. I'd go, oh, I wonder where that is yeah. exactly. Well, so it's the, really up north. So that's where your mom? Yeah, my mom comes from there. And small, small town, small It's a small,
1: but it's, it's a very like, uh, you know, they, they do their own thing because okay. it's very secluded. So, uh, so I, re- I really like that region, but it's very far from Montreal as well. So we, we grew up, I grew up in a pretty small uh, family of five. How did basically. they find
0: each other? How did mom and dad find
1: each uh, other? My mom just sort of left uh, her hometown when she was uh, 17, I think. She wow. needed to have some air, and I uh, wanted to see some more things, and she started to work in production uh, in the movies, and my dad was also working in that field, so they, that's how they met.
0: Isn't it funny that, you know, you're here you are, this kid from this, middle of nowhere town in Quebec and you just decide to leave. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to work in production in film. So yeah,
1: well meet. that's my mom. That's my, my mom's a very stubborn woman. She, right. Like when she has something in her head, she's just going to go for it and she she always had that.
0: So, so they met in Montreal, is that? Yeah, fair? they
1: met in Montreal.
0: Right. Yeah, so
1: we've always uh, I grew up with my brother and my sister. I'm the youngest.
0: Okay, the baby. I'm the baby. Yeah.
1: Oh yes, I'm the baby. <laughs> Definitely
0: the baby. I have slight resentment towards the babies oh, okay, as the I see. oldest of four.
1: I understand. We we, we have it easier. I you do, do I do admit this.
0: And that, but also a chip on your shoulders. If we ever if us firstborns ever get uppity about, you know. The our experience with our parents. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I find the babies defend the parents. I do defend my
1: parents. <laughs> I'm actually now like the mediator sometimes. Yes, I bet you are. I mean, I feel like that. I don't know how they would feel, but I feel like the mediator definitely. Right. Yes, whenever like there's some crisis, I, I get in there and I, <laughs> I try to solve things.
0: You try to solve things. Yeah. And, and was there music in the family right from the get-go or?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, my mom, for some reason, when she was pregnant with me, she kept listening to opera. She never listened to opera before, but she listened like compulsively to.
0: There was something opera. emotionally that connected.
1: Yeah, I think. and my dad my dad listened to classical music his whole life, even when he was a teenager. like he was the, wow. he was the teenage nerd that was listening to classical.:
0: Did he music. play classical music?:
1: He did play a little bit of piano, but okay. uh, his, da- his uh, mom died at a very young age, oh. so it sort of uh, didn't permit him to continue his studies in, in piano, but uh, he's a very musical.:
0: So she kind of got him into that and then, and then she was gone.
1: Um, I don't know if she got him into that, but right. he just he started playing. He was taking lessons, and then but everything sort of capsized. Of you know, course, he was 14 at the time, and uh, and my, I think my grandfather just got into depression, and so he couldn't continue, unfortunately, to play. But he has a very classical-minded uh, uh,
0: mind. But he was all able to install a little bit of that love.
1: Yeah, and he interior. played all he played piano, classical piano, all the time in the house. So I was really raised listening to, to all that.
0: So that happens, and uh, how do we get to France? What is the decision that is made? Where
1: that was, uh, my dad was working in advertisement, okay. and he was doing very well. His yeah. career was doing very well in the eighties. He was this like superstar creative director, madman. Yeah, really, he was Don Draper. He was. I hope he had less mistresses, but I think, <laughs> <laughs> but he was pretty much a Don Draper of the times, and he decided to go uh, to go found an agency in France. Because yeah, he decided to sort of go back to his roots and uh, and do that, but it it didn't work out so well. So
0: we came back. It points to him though for having the gumption to make such a decision. Like it's not easy to make a decision like that.
1: No, not at all. To move your entire family. No uh,
0: kidding. How did you do? You remember how you felt about it as a child?
1: Um, I. No, I should say. Oh, we're moving to France. I was getting oh, friends, and I, I did, but I was very young when we left. I was six years old, you know, okay. so I had like preschool friends. Right. So I, I can't remember you being sad. too attached. Is that no, one? not that much. I remember being sad when we came back about my friends, but I was like, "Oh, okay, we're going back." Uh, my sister, she dealt with it. It was harder for her.
0: You have these. Uh, uh, you have this moment. Your dad's making this decision. He's going to open a business in Paris. Yeah. Had, had you been to Paris at that point? No. No.
1: No, I hadn't been to Paris. I just remember golden statues when I I don't know if you've been to Paris. I just went. There's some golden statues. There are. So, yes. Yeah. I just remember that as a kid. Like, oh.
0: I think it's the best city.
1: It's a beautiful city.
0: I really do. I mean, yeah. you've probably traveled around more than I have. I've
1: been many times to Paris. Yeah. Yeah, lately.
0: But uh, it, but you've probably traveled the world more than I have. Uh, where does it rank? you Paris or, yeah
1: well i have a i have an attachment to the city so it's a bit hard for me but um it ranks on the top three definitely
0: yeah, yeah. what else? what are the other ones
1: um, I just went to the Netherlands. I really like the Netherlands. I like the Netherlands. I haven't too. been to Berlin, but I'm sure that's gonna uh, rank up
0: for some reason. It's great. The one thing I'll say about Berlin is it was completely decimated, oh. and, and so they rebuilt it. Yeah, and, and that's it's so different than right, Paris in right. that respect. But yeah. culturally speaking, I'm sure it's unbelievable
1: underground scene and everything. Yeah, uh, and um, I love. Um, I like London. You do. I enjoy the people. I uh, think there's the people who end up in London are often quite interesting people.
0: It's a half and half city, you know, half bombed.
1: Yeah, in the war.
0: so it's that this is weird, your
1: criteria. So you yeah. go by was it bombed or not? Yeah, it is <laughs>
0: because that for me, that, I guess I'm a visual person, and I get there, and I and of course oh. when I look at Paris, I say to myself. This uh, thank goodness the Germans were uh, occupied this region because of course they weren't going to bomb themselves.
1: Yeah, well, Paris is really one of the most beautiful though. It is. Uh, Lisbon is beautiful as well. Right. That really, Uh, I love that 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 city as well. And I like California. I'm I I love the Pacific Ocean and the mountains. Always
0: love California. Well, there's
1: something. There's just something in the vibe. Yeah. You're just like you. Hard not to like.
0: I just all I do is I talk to actors and musicians who just take some time of their lives to go back and forth.
1: Yeah. To well, I can, or... I can understand. I, I would be between Paris and uh, San Francisco.
0: You're right. You like San Fran.
1: Yeah, I like, I, I actually, I like the scenery, you uh-huh. know, of California more than I like you know, the scene or whatever. It's really about the uh, landscape.
0: My friend, uh, well, my neighbor, in fact, he lives in between Toronto and San Francisco, and he's actually pretty glad that he's done with San Francisco yeah. just from a working standpoint. I can imagine that
1: and... it's really hard to establish yourself there. Though. Yeah. I don't think I would establish myself there.
0: No. No. Did, would you ever consider...
1: Going somewhere else? Yeah. Uh, I could consider Europe. Right. Yeah, I would, but I really like Montreal. I'm, I, I'm, I, and I, I keep traveling and coming back. And do you just like it in always, March? Uh, no.
0: Pretty <laughs> tough, right? We think we have it bad here. Yeah, in but Toronto, I'm, but. I'm
1: lucky right now because I'm traveling so much that I, I, I go away during the winter and I come back and I go away again. So I don't right. have the ugh, the very heavy sort of <laughs> six months winter thing.
0: It is pretty tough. Yeah. So, so you you have these first impressions of golden statues, and you get to Paris. And uh what is that situation? I guess you have to get used to a new school and dad's trying hard in this business.
1: Yeah, well I wasn't aware at all of what my dad was doing at the time. You know, right. I was I was a kid, so I was aware of my school. I went to this very elite school. Most of us school. are still
0: not aware of what our parents were. Yeah, well really I, I
1: try to ask now yeah. that I'm a bit more mature <laughs> and to see like what what are their realities for right, the real. Right. Um but uh, yeah, so I went to this very elite school. I was learning Japanese, I was in wow. full-time English, I was learning all my uh like math and everything was in English immersion that was it but I remember my friends you know I remember what people what kids remember I remember my friends I remember doing this huge drawing outside and I I used to play literally at the bottom of the Eiffel Tower that was where we had our our uh, school uh, break you know no kidding
0: yeah (laughs) I've been there once and I just (laughs) remember looking up and thinking what is this place yeah and
1: and we just it's called Champ de Mars and we just yeah we went there to play soccer and play stuff (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's a different reality.
0: What about the food? Did you have any recognition of, of oh, yeah. what the food was, as a, even as a kid?
1: Um, I, I, di- I didn't see the difference because my dad cooked a lot, so he cooked as much in Paris as he did in, uh, in Canada. Right. But the food in, in, in France is just awesome. And I've, I've, I've kept a lot of that heritage, actually, in the way I cook now.
0: I love it so much, but for somebody who's constantly keeping an eye on carbs and all the rest of <laughs> well, it... Well,
1: try Italy. Italy's, Italy's way worse way for worse carbs. It's, it's, it's
0: impossible. It's but impossible. for some
1: reason, they're not fat.
0: I know. It doesn't they're, make they're any just, sense. I,
1: I don't know. It's in their genes or something. I,
0: I look at these diet books. They eat books, two
1: pasta courses and yeah, then pizza. And you're like... What?
0: I look at the keto diets and, and uh, the yeah, paleo yeah. diets. Well, just, you, can, you can't. You go to Italy and then you think well, This doesn't matter, you know. Uh, yeah. Clearly, this works somehow. Yeah,
1: in France, is mostly meat, uh, right. cheese, uh, you know, right. not a lot of vegetable bread. Right. Yeah, yeah. What's hard is to be vegan. I have my, my sound man is vegan. Okay. For him in France, uh, I mean, if you ask like something without cheese, okay, you're just going to get insulted by the waiter, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but Italy is very vegan friendly. They, right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, they can do it. Except that.
1: you get fat, so it's, you know, take <laughs> your combats.
0: So a lot happens between the ages of 6 and 10 years old. I mean, you, you're a very little kid, and then suddenly by the time you're 10, you're you know, kind of starting to actually understand the world around you. And, and in your case, I guess it was starting to learn piano, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's really, really when it started. Uh, were you happy to do that? I was very happy. You I were. actually asked to play an instrument. I, I really wanted to play. Right. something. And uh, my parents were told, well, if she wants to play something, I guess the piano is a very complete instrument.
0: So. Did you have pianos around you before that time? Or uh,
1: yeah, my dad always had a piano. Oh,
0: he did? Yeah. Because yeah. my grandparents had one, the classic mm-hmm. you know, thing. And I remember just playing nonsense on it. I still play nonsense on
1: yeah, my well, piano. But... <laughs> Me too, sometimes. a <laughs>
0: <laughs> kind of dream, Many right? Many times, yeah. actually. <laughs> but uh, there is that amazing moment where you do finally have your own instrument and you start practicing. How did yeah. you find practicing? I mean, most people hated it.
1: Uh, I don't, it's funny. One of my friends that I've, I've met recently in Paris, a very old French told me you were practicing nonstop. Wow. You were very concentrated on this. And I don't, I don't remember that, but uh, she told me you, you practice a lot and a lot and a lot. So I re, I know I really became passionate very quickly right. with the piano. It became really the way that I could express myself.
0: Interesting. Well, I suppose, you know, in the classical world, uh, you do hear about a lot of young Yeah, we
1: start early. Usually. Young kids. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I don't always know that, that they wanted
1: to yeah. do that. Yeah. I think I really found a way to express my feelings really? that were sort of stuck inside before. So,
0: did you have big feelings?
1: Uh, yes, I think I did very yeah. much. Yeah.
0: what were you what were those feelings
1: i don't know i think i was just a pretty sensitive kid and uh-huh. i could feel a lot of people's emotions and i need i sort of needed that uh, getaway i guess
0: it sounds like you were an artist very early on in your life
1: yeah i think so i think
0: just taking in
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: The vibration. Yes, of the, the world. vibration.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it could be a bit overwhelming sometimes.
0: It could be. I, I don't. Still I, is. <laughs> I don't know that I, I ever had that in that way. I mean, I'd, I think at some point I felt like I did, but as a kid, I just I just run another direction or something. Yeah. Know, just run into a field.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. it's another way of compensating, I guess. Right, but right. no, yeah, I've always been a a very mature kid, you know, very adult. Kid, I think I've bec- I'm becoming more of a kid as I grow up. <laughs> I'm doing things backwards.
0: <laughs> uh, you were so much older then. You're younger than that now.
1: Yeah, I feel I feel more, you know, upbeat, spirited, and just a bit more uh, something you would call more like childish now. And I used to be very serious. I used to think about death all the time and stuff like that when I was little.
0: Well, it's interesting because when I, I hear your music, I am uh, triggered. Often, uh, in the sense that it sometimes makes me feel sad, but it also makes me feel hopeful, Mm -hmm. and it also makes me feel embarrassed sometimes. Embarrassed, yeah, because it's it feels very very intimate to me, and that you're getting to a part of my brain that starts working. You know, memories and thoughts about you know time, and you know, I kind of want to figure out. How you started making that music. I like that I'm meeting you and you have this levity about you. Yeah. Because I don't know that I would have guessed
1: that. Oh, that's my person, my personality, you know, right. I think my art and my, as I said, you know, it's really a way for me to channel my emotions. So <sighs> so all the profoundness that I have in the way that I'm feeling the world goes into that. But on a day-to-day basis, I'm, I'm more, I'm actually a clown. I, <laughs> I've always been. <laughs> sad clown? Uh, no, I'm not sad. <laughs> not even a sad clown. I'm not clown. a sad person. No, no. I, I, I think I'm actually quite sane because of the piano. Right. I think I would have been way, way more, uh, you know, anxious. And I, I had an anxious period in my life. I mean, right. don't get me wrong. But, right. but uh, no, I'm quite n- naturally just happy.
0: So you're learning and you're finding it uh, that you're loving it and you're practicing all the time. Were there Composers that you were gravitating towards early on
1: uh yeah, I had a Chopin definitely right. I mean we have a kind of the piano uh, thing, i mean we have right? a polish French Jewish background, so this is uh, also just from i don't know if you would say genes, but we have a heritage that's a bit common right so but besides that, he's a melodic pianist i so am I, mm-hmm. uh, so I felt very much drawn to him uh, early on uh,
0: yeah but but it can be. Very difficult too. His material,
1: I yeah, mean, yeah. Well, I started obviously, you know, the right. prelude, the prelude in uh, E minor, and uh, um, but I did, I did move on and play more, more complex work. Always, right, yeah, right. I off. mean, uh,
0: to see a, a complex piece of Chopin performed the right way, or by somebody who's got the skills to do so, it can yeah. be pretty thrilling. Yeah, experience. I think
1: my teachers always. Uh, I had a Russian teacher uh, towards the end of my uh, of my run who was more technical, making me play more like Prokofiev and stuff. Right. But uh, my teachers before, when I was younger, really tended towards more romantic pieces, you know, slow pieces, very expressive.
0: So uh, It seems in our Instagram era right now that those people are uh, enjoying... A certain amount of popularity it seems like the more emotional you can make your face while you play guitar on Instagram <laughs> uh, the more people are going to uh you know yeah you
1: also see like very fake things on Instagram sure that are do. quite popular <laughs> isn't it funny I
0: follow the hashtags classical classical music oh, yeah. and uh, I do see a lot of nonsense going on I
1: don't know I don't follow that I, yeah. d- I wouldn't know
0: social media is that something you you can do
1: Yes, that is something I do. I think it's sort of something you have to do. You kind of have to do, right? Yeah, I think as a a musician, as somebody who's doing this professionally these days, you have to be aware of what's going on in social media. I think it's the new way, really, of getting yourself out there. And it's important to have this uh, conscience.
0: Because even I I started this podcast in early, uh, well, I envisioned it in early 2018, and we put out the first season in 2019, and it was very at this t- at that time I wasn't here, and I, it was very DIY. I, I had mm-hmm. to do it all on my own, and how was I going to tell people? Well,
1: yeah, social media. Social
0: media, and and I have such a love hate relationship mm-hmm. with it. Yeah, I don't know about you? Yeah,
1: me too. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I think everybody I, must now. Be there I do now. it really professionally. I right. mean, I'm. I sometimes have fun, and I find something funny that I go around on tour, and I put it on Instagram, but I don't go and browse on Facebook anymore. You know, I used to do that when I was not doing this professionally, but now it's really my work. I but go if, when but I have if, to.
0: If too many of us start doing that, yeah, you know, that's how I treat it as well. Mm-hmm. I just wonder... Where it's going to land or if it will fizzle out. Probably
1: nowhere. Probably yeah. nowhere because people, they, they're they not, I mean, people want content. They do. They want uh, relationships and, you know, they don't want just advertisements.
0: At least you so, have the music.
1: I have the music and I try really to to, to do my socials on an exit towards content. Yeah. Uh, content. I yeah. mean, I think that's, that's the key, like, to keep it a bit real, you know, mm-hmm. to give things and to share things, not right. just to... To be in your branding, and uh, you know, I think nobody nobody cares about that.
0: I was watching, uh, you, for some reason, you just spurred on this memory. But I was watching the new uh, Bob Dylan documentary. Yeah, yeah I
1: didn't see. It. I heard it was uh, pretty good. Did you? Yeah,
0: like it? I, I, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese did it. It's about oh the, yeah, oh, the, I didn't know the Rolling Thunder uh, review that he did in 1975. And there's a new interview with Bob, nice, which is great because you don't get to ah, hear him talk very right often. And he said. Uh, life isn't about finding yourself. It's about creating new things. It's mm. about uh, putting things out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think about that? I, I've just been mulling on it ever I, since. I
1: think that you do both. I yeah. think, well, personally, I'm finding myself because I'm creating things. Right. Things. So I wouldn't oppose these two ideas personally. Right. But I think it is important to shake things around. You know. I think as a per- individually, I think it's important to to. Face your fears and go towards things that are really making you shit scared. Excuse my language. Right, no, and Say you want. And um and then creating things. Yes, shaking things around. You know, being creative, being uh, think outside the box. Just right. move. Basically, we get we have a tendency to stay so static and so comfortable. And life wasn't meant to be static. You know? Afraid
0: of money, love, and change.
1: Yeah, afraid. Yeah. yeah. Mainly afraid. So that's why I think you know moving forward is about facing your fears and going for it
0: you uh, uh obviously had to practice this romantic era at work and you had to do, it was all the recitals and all that type of thing or yeah. was it more of a
1: i had a love-hate relationship with the recitals i bet yeah i didn't like i was so nervous but then it went beautifully right. each time and, and so but I, and they, I. they
0: were all in montreal or did they start in paris
1: uh, no, I didn't do any recitals in Paris okay. that I could remember. Right. No, i started in Montreal. I went to McGill, the conservatory, and that's where it started. Let's back up. Yeah.
0: You are, do those four years in Paris, mm-hmm. you get back to Montreal. Mm-hmm. What was that uh, transition like?
1: You mean on a personal level? Yeah. Um, I remember I switched uh, systems. I was in the French scholar system, and I went to the, the Quebec uh, system, and there was a big gap there, a very right. big gap. Everything was very boring to me.
0: In Montreal, yeah,
1: very boring. <laughs> but then I switch back to the French. I'm so sorry. I don't mean to. My I mean, friends my friends I from I think the there Netherlands. was reform now, and it's much better. But
0: my friends from the Netherlands used to tell me that our education system is just hilarious.
1: I mean, to, you do read things uh, yeah. at 18 years old that you read when you're seven. Right. So that you have to ponder <laughs> about this a little bit. You know, <laughs> you I think you are more pushed. Uh, but I do understand that it's elitist and it's. Uh, and if you're not good and if you don't function well as a kid in this system that is very uh, strict, then you probably are gonna fail completely, and right. your your uh, your self esteem is gonna
0: go. Uh, they they will leave you on the side of the road.
1: Yeah, as, as which is not the case in Quebec, and that right. that is the quality, the advantage of it all. Right. But uh, uh, intellectually, it, it tends to be maybe a bit less, you know, driving.
0: So you get back your board. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, pia- but piano continues, and yeah. and is it just let's keep going? And
1: yeah, I went. We came back in the middle of the year, and uh, so uh, my my teacher uh, agreed to take me in the middle of the year, which was quite nice. My piano teacher, Kathleen Tucker, was her name. And I'm they
0: sure. were all pretty good piano teachers. I, were,
1: I had amazing piano teachers, yeah. really amazing. I really loved them all. Uh-huh. Um, two of them are dead actually now, which is quite sad um so i went and she took me in and uh, she really taught me uh, emotion right and yeah in my interpretation how to listen to myself when i'm playing all these things that are quite you know key that right. i kept that i keep uh, with me all the time
0: all the time do it again i mean i i, lo- I do love that when you have a list of criteria for your craft yeah. and you can as as far as you go down the road what maybe it's writing a piece of music or or performing it mm-hmm. that you can always go back to that list and say yeah. what am I
1: and then many people add to that list as you go on right. you know I've, I've many several people told me some sentences i'll never forget that i keep with me you know right. um,
0: what would be one of those
1: uh, somebody once told me uh, a writer that i know in quebec who's fantastic her name is Hélène d'orion she actually uh, found the title of my album okay. inscape right It's a great title. Yeah, it's a a great, beautiful word. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hélène told me uh, in French, il faut se mettre au service de sa création. And that means you have to put yourself at the service of your creation. And that was at a point in my life where I wasn't fully dedicating myself to art. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of work for ads and stuff. And so this sentence really stayed with me. And I'm like, yes, I need to take this leap and I need to just go forward. Because it's true, you know, when you have something, you have a gift of some sort, you, you have to put your, your, your individual, your ego at the service of this, you know? So this was one of them, lately.
0: You are listening to Art at the End of the World, my conversation with Alexandra Streliski via the new Classical FM and the Zoomer podcast network. It's art at the end of the world. My name is Mark Wigmore. Let's continue with Montreal neoclassical phenomenon, Alexandra Straliski. When does it start to feel like, okay, this is somehow going to be my life?
1: Uh, twice, I think. Once I was about to give up, I was uh, maybe 19 years old, 20 you years at, old. Were you at
0: McGill at that point? I was at
1: McGill. I was okay. finishing my, my studies. And um, I didn't know what I wanted to do in university. Can you imagine
0: finishing your studies at 19 years old? How old, how old are you now?
1: Well, I'm 34 now. You're 34.
0: Yeah. It just seems funny that we're done.
1: Well, you're done, your conservatoire. You yeah. know, you finish your collegial too. So yeah. then after you go on to university. Right. Or not. Right. So that, that was the first time I asked this question. And I played and I, I finished first of my, my class. And so I had to play in... Uh, you were good. I was pretty good. I, was, mm-hmm. I had good emotion mm-hmm. and, and so, and, uh, I had to play this recital in front of people because I was the first. And I remember I played this very mm-hmm. slow piece by Grieg. Uh, very, very slow, very twisted in the chords. And, uh, and then I finished playing and there was this silence at the end. And then people clapped. And I, just this moment... Where I realized, okay, I can't stop doing this. this is, I had, There's something there, you know. I just felt it in the gap for some reason. And so I went to study. I kept on going to university. So that was one.
0: That's interesting because, I mean, uh, that was a gap of a certain type. I mean, it was a musical gap, but it was also a... Uh,
1: it was before people clapped. There was, uh, there, I can feel there was an emotional response uh-huh. to what I was playing. Right. I can feel that I was sharing things with people, basically.
0: right. But sometimes it is even the space within, you know, your phrasing. Oh
1: yeah, now now yeah. I mean, it's
0: often the space that makes makes the beauty. Yeah, right.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that was the first, and then what happened?
1: And then the second was, uh, as I mentioned, I was working in a studio. I was doing a lot of work for ads, right? Films, documentaries. So
0: was that people were right away just saying, "Hey, you should, you've got a sound that would work well with." With advertising, or, or um, yeah, was your no, dad I just, involved? In no, that? my dad wasn't involved. <laughs> no.
1: Actually, I got my I, I got my first gig, and I won the prize of best music, uh, Canadian uh, best uh, advertisement music. Wow! So the whole industry was like, "Who's who's
0: who's that?" this? How old were you at that point?
1: I was twenty-three.
0: Right, so pretty young. To yeah, be.
1: yeah, pretty young
0: receiving that yeah Old Quebec hey eh? I mean you guys you I don't know, know breaking molds left right and center
1: well I don't, <laughs> yeah I guess
0: amazing.
1: <laughs> and so yeah so then um, so that must then have I felt got my first job like that and and then I just sort of slowly made my way but in between I had this period where I was like Ugh, uh, no I'm not sure I want to w- write for ads right and I did pianoscope which is my first record in this gap. Always a story of, about gaps, basically. <laughs>
0: so, so what was the uh, uh, lead-up to Pianoscope? Because another beautiful record and, and I think you know was a great launching point for what you're doing yeah. now. But uh, what gave you the, the confidence to say, okay, this is me, this is my original material. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put this on a record and I'm actually going to go out into the world.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it was... Um it was two things. It was wanting to find myself, needing to find myself because I was I was writing a lot for others and mm-hmm. products and brands, and then um, it was also a way of for me to presenting myself to the world. I was like, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, if I've always wanted to do film music, so I'm like, if you know, I put this out into the world, and for some reason it in- inspires director. Uh, they're going to call me for what I do best, what I do with my heart. Right. So that was that was part of the process.
0: So almost, uh, uh, you know, kind of your own resume. It was like saying... Yeah, hey, business you know. card.
1: <laughs> this is my business card. <laughs> and I also did it a little bit for my mom because I left the house and she was very sad because I used to play piano, you know. Of course. For, her, for their entire lives, my family. So yeah. I also did it a little bit for them. And
0: and how is uh, social life with all this work and time that you put into piano? Yeah, well, or even at the time, were Mm. were you pretty holed up working on this stuff?
1: No, I'm very, you know, I sit down for 20 minutes. It goes very fast. I play something and I leave. Really? Yeah. And then I sit back down the next day. I I do things very fast. Wow. So I'm not like I'm practicing eight hours. And no, I'm actually quite lazy. And uh, I do things, you know, very productively.
0: I don't know if that's lazy, though. I, it's maybe we,
1: not. Maybe we, it's just concentrated. Well, know?
0: Yeah, right. Because I do think that, you know, for me, my creative process is often that I have to do something for a short amount of time, and then I have to get up and go do something else mm-hmm. so that I can come back to that thing. And, yeah, I think I can get
1: bored. Load. I think if yeah. I, I I do too much. I'm, also, I'm very interested uh, artistically in the spontaneous, the first draft. Right. I think often you have this purity in it that you're not going to get, if you start working too much, you're going to get cerebral, you're going to get too structured. So I, I, I have a tendency to keep this, and I think that's also why I do that.
0: Some people say that about first albums too that that is the purest representation of that artist because they've been working towards that thing. Maybe. Then they get some recognition and suddenly the pressure's on to do it again and then you know you haven't necessarily It wasn't the the case it wasn't the
1: case for me because I I did my first album and I was more naive. I was more just doing, oh I have this theme and I have this theme and I'll just put this and this together. And I didn't do it as as I as much as I reflected on Inkscape, for instance, right. which is my second, right. but I really, I think you more of me is on that album.
0: felt to me, as I got to know your work, that there was very much a Alexandra Strelisky sound. Str- By the way, Strelisky? Strelisky? Yeah, Strelisky. In English, smart.
1: yeah, Strelisky. en français.
0: To me, it, it felt like there was a sound here, that you had found maybe a gear that was all your own, and that you were able to really work with that and that's something you'll be able to continue to to work with i
1: I think i have i mean i have different sounds different pianos different microphones on both albums right but um, you play around
0: with that idea Um,
1: i do and because i worked also eight years in a studio now i i I got i mean i came in and i didn't know what a mastering was you know and and i got out and i knew all about i just hung out with some boys that was talking gear and talking you know all these technical words that Good old boys with
0: gear right eh? boys
1: with gear i yeah. mean that's what you find in studios usually most of the time <laughs> there are some girls now but very few and um, god bless them yeah god bless them
0: <laughs> it's not easy <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it's fun i love i loved it i love hanging out with gear the gear talk is fun right well at the beginning again, I, I didn't it. understand anything and right. at the end i was just telling them like oh just do a little uh, dock and the uh, high end and you
0: know so so some of the things you need to worry about obviously the piano you're playing yeah uh, upright or uh,
1: grand, grand. Yeah. which ones? Yeah,
0: uh, which ones? Which
1: microphones you use, which uh, preamplification you're gonna give? Because right. that gives color.
0: Do you use older microphones sometimes?
1: Um, yeah. I do. I actually have a combination of two uh, styles. I have some Shups with our German microphones that I put into Millennias. Uh-huh. So this is very clean sound, very right. bright, very clean, very natural. And then I have some Coals, so ribbons. Yeah, so hotter, warmer. And um, I think we put those in uh, Neves stripes. So, yeah, we're going, and we we blend. And depending on the songs, I don't treat each song the same.
0: Sometimes it feels like to me I'm hearing two different qualities of sound within Mm -hmm. the same song.
1: Yeah, I think we switched, but not many times. No, no. Yeah, we tried that, but it was weird. It was weird because you're getting into this perspective and you sort of lose it when you switch the microphones. But we have some blends, and sometimes I have some overdubs that are going to be like the other microphones because it blends nicely together. Right. So I don't know if that's my sound now, but... uh I think my sound is mostly me, mostly my my emotion. But I did record inscape on my own piano, on my upright piano that I've had since Paris, so that was very, you know, you can't be as close as my to my compositions.
0: It's an upright, yeah, in in Paris, yeah, and you had it brought over, yeah, to Montreal. yeah, my goodness, you yeah. must have been attached to it.
1: I was attached to it, and yeah, it was my piano. I mean, right. and my parents found it was important. And so I recorded or I did my record on it.
0: There's this fellow named Yop uh, Baving. Do you yeah, know this yes, I do. He's yes. coming to town in a really? co- couple days. interesting. So I, I might go see him. I'm having a I
1: would a, love to go see him. a slight He's look. actually my favorite of all the modern classicals
0: my, would would you put yourself in that camp?
1: Uh, in that camp, uh, which yeah, one it, you mean, it, the style? It, yeah, that style? Yeah, and that's definitely neoclassical. Yeah, I think yeah. we're definitely in the same. Uh, I mean, I think you actually, uh, congratulations, but to say you by yeah, the way, I right, mean, not many you. people know how to pronounce his name, <laughs> but uh, I think he also worked in the advertisement industry before. We I have could see it, and then he had an album that streamed 43 million, and then he got signed with George Jamophone. So we have a very similar, very, very similar background.
0: Interesting. He, uh, he just played at Burning Man, I saw.
1: Oh, nice.
0: Isn't that I mean I thought that was
1: That's very cool.
0: It was pretty cool. Right? I think
1: that's very cool to, to sort of and I, and I think it's kind of typical of the neoclassical, modern classical, whatever you want to call it he movement. Some nice,
0: he has some nice scarves.
1: Yeah, he has a he has a big beard, I think, no. <laughs> I've never beard. seen I've never met him, but I, I keep hearing about him. And I was just in the Netherlands, so
0: and he's from there. Right. Yeah. They wanted me to talk to him, but the only time they had was right after his show okay. was finished. Right. And I thought, I don't want to do that to no, him. No,
1: yeah.
0: Right, like the guy walks off stage, you got to talk to me for 45 minutes. I don't minutes? know, I,
1: don't, I, I wouldn't mind, personally. Oh, gosh, okay. I mean, ask him.
0: Now, I mean, now he'll you're... say
1: no if he doesn't want to. <laughs> I would talk to him if I
0: was you. All right, all right, good to know. <laughs> uh, but uh, I bring him up because he talks about, for his last record, he knows this, he talks about the idea that he, he received a piano from his grandmother, mm. and that kind of changed his whole life. Well, yeah and he was able to it have a very specific sound and he was able to compose an entire record based on um <laughs>
1: yeah well that's the same it's exactly it's the same inspiration i mean because you feel so connected to your instrument right so I, for me it was about transmitting these songs the most like the purest way that i could the most direct way that i could to people right so recording on my own piano Made so much sense, you know. And Inscape is a very personal record.
0: So let's get into it a little bit. Uh, I, I wanted. Well, maybe I'll ask you about uh, uh, Jean-Marc Vallet because you know you talked about this advertising world yeah. that you were in. Does he find you after Pianoscope? Is that?
1: Yeah, he found me with Pianoscope. Okay. And he put. Uh, so it
0: worked. It, it, so it works
1: <laughs> exactly well you know you know it's uh, it can be a bit like uh, self-help booky sort yeah, of right. philosophy but if you do project things in the universe you might be surprised
0: <laughs> uh, he's an amazing artist and an amazing director yes. and uh, I, I'm a huge fan of his work and I've seen you know not everybody's seen Demolition I thought it was one of a great film yeah it's a great movie and I, th- I implore people to watch it if they mm-hmm. haven't seen it but Tell me about him finding you, and, and how did that all work?
1: Well, basically, he just found me, as you said. I mean, I didn't have anything to do with that. Right. Uh, and then he put a Prelude, which is the first song of Piazco. Did he get
0: in touch, or did his people get in uh, touch?
1: Uh, his people got in touch with my people. Oh, I had, yeah? yeah? Because I had an editor at the time. I think I had a publisher, sorry. I had just signed with a publisher. Right. Which was a quite good uh, moment, too, because it was you know negotiating with... Uh, Pretty big production. He put Prelude into Dallas Buyers Club, right? And that uh, was on the final scene, and it, and they played it at the Oscars. So it, that was quite a interesting moment for me because I didn't know they were going to play my song when. Uh, live they were playing it live you know
0: right so like the pit band the, the pit Oscars band i heard was...
1: some flute i'm like there's no flute in my song <laughs> is there a flute am i hearing flute <laughs> that's
0: incredible that yeah. must have been so strange and that was very strange exciting. and also my phone
1: started ringing like crazy because people were listening to pianoscope it was a great many mo- people were listening to. and pianoscope. it was a great movie and it was a great movie it's a yeah. beautiful scene and um then i wrote to him i said oh my god thank you so much you know this is great thank you for for associating my music with right. your talent, because I also respected him a lot as an artist, right? So that was mainly why I was uh, I was thanking him, and uh, and then we we just kept in touch, and he kept doing it. He, he then he put Le Départ into demolition, then he yeah. put a, a Bourrasque into Big Little Lies uh, trailer, and then then uh, Sharp Objects. But then on Sharp on Sharp Objects, we spoke and we actually worked together.
0: I like the idea that he was just listening to that record and thinking okay, this piece will work well here. and well,
1: that's what he does. Jean-Marc, yeah. is a, he listens to so much music. He knows a lot about music.
0: And it was interesting to me, too, that after Demolition, I thought, you know, this is, tells you so much about show business. I mean, it was a movie that some people liked, but generally speaking, it went a little under the radar. Mm-hmm. And yet, he, there he was at the Golden Globes or what have you, you know, accepting, accepting all these awards for Big Little Lies. And I thought, oh, yeah, there he is. You know, it's not like he had to really weather a storm. He already had a whole bunch of ideas Oh yeah you know, I think, the pipe. And, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Uh, definitely. So and directors usually have like two or three films in the, right, uh, the, in the same doing right. it, it takes same a while time.
0: before they really yeah, decide yeah, yeah. that <laughs> you're done or what have you. Yeah. But I don't know that he uh, ever even considered that or, or, or worried about anything like that. But uh, it was such a huge success, Big Little Lies, yeah. for him that it was, like, to me, it was hilarious. What I, I
1: think he's just going with the flow. I mean, I, right. I know him now, and I think he just, he just goes with it and he does his work he's very concentrated he's he he's awesome also because he works with the same team right he's been working with the same team forever that bodes well for you yes (laughs) that is true (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a member of his team but but i am now uh, a close friend pianist there's
0: a lot of music in in his productions
1: yeah yeah i'm i'm happy i'm very happy And, and mainly because i really like what he does
0: can you actually see the result of that association? Can you see... You
1: can't ever see direct results right. of, of things, but I know definitely that it's putting my music out there, and it, everything, it's like a, you know, it's a big wheel to be an artist in our modern times. You have to do this and this and that and this, and eventually, like, things just get together, and there's a story to share, and so Jean-Marc also contributed to the story. Right. Yeah.
0: Let's talk about the story of InScape, because I think... Uh, You had a lot of big feelings going into this. We Mm talked about how you're this, you know, relatively happy person. Yeah. But it felt like there was something, just from the little bit that I've read about it, that you were going through some
1: changes. Oh, yes, I was going through a very dark, very dark period. How did that happen? Um, it happened because I was working uh, in the studio, and I just nothing made sense. My life didn't make sense anymore. Right. My relationship didn't make sense. My job didn't make sense, and this hurts a lot when you realize this as and a the person. And
0: the job, of playing music,
1: the job of writing for ads. But I right. had already taken my decision. But for legal reasons, I could, I couldn't leave for six months, and okay. that's why I, I I did a burnout basically. And uh, this is where everything sort of capsized because when you, when you have this, these episodes, your body just crashes. Yeah. You know, it's saying, hey, <laughs> wrong way, buddy, you know. It's and, funny, though,
0: how that six months can be so hard. Yeah, I, mean, I think. When we think about it in the scope of our lives.
1: I think. Like, if anybody's listening now and is living in some sort of situation similar to this, like, my advice would be stop when it's not too late because it will be. Too late and don't get there because it's long. It's a long process. Yeah.
0: So, uh, relationship was uh, falling apart? Yeah. 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 That's no fun.
1: That's never fun. No. No, it's many, you know, a lot of big pillars of my life just went away. I moved, I, I, I separated, and I changed my job. So, and I was going for art. But at that time, I was mainly just recovering from depression. I mean, when you're depressed, you can't do anything. No. You can wake up and try to live your life and uh, go to the park and uh, maybe get some bread. You know, this is good. (laughs) It's interesting,
0: though, I mean, not to belittle anybody's experience, but in the case of some of us, you just get up and you go to work because you're expected to be there and and what Mm -hmm. have you, and maybe that was the case for you too. But as a creator, you were now entering into a world where it was very much on you to...
1: Now, you mean.
0: yeah, Yeah, to build your future and to find inspiration, to do projects that were very much... a about you and your work and yes. your emotional. but
1: what's wonderful now is that I have a team of people who are right. working they, they worry about what's <laughs> the plan what's the what's the strategy. Right. I worry about what what am I inspired with They're giving you know, the I, dem- I worry about many things <laughs> so, truthfully I don't have only just creation to do but, but they
0: worry about some of the deadlines they, and oh yeah they worry about they m- give you
1: that like n- 90% of things yeah and but, but I'm very busy I, I'm very, very busy.
0: So uh, uh, there you are, and you're you're stuck in this gig, and your relationships falling apart, and you're moving from one place to another in Montreal. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Well, I moved because I split up. You oh, know? yeah. So
0: good uh,
1: times. Yeah, <laughs> great times, <laughs> great times. But you know what? Actually, and I, I say this really truthfully, it was a gift that this depression landed on me because I had to question myself, and I knew I'm like, okay, I have to change things. It's impossible. I can't just keep going this way. I'm just falling. I'm. There's nothing ahead of me. And that really forced me to question myself and move forward, you know. And uh, and I found uh, I'm so much happier now.
0: When when you were recording and writing Inscape, when we listen to it now,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we're hearing some of that process.
1: That I think it's a trans. It's really symbolic of transition periods, right? You know. Um, because I didn't write the material when I was depressed. Right. I, I suffered this depression, and then I recorded. I recorded afterwards, because I didn't want the record to be dark. And I, it would have been darker, just by my interpretation.
0: So... That's what I was talking about earlier, too, is that multi layered feeling, yeah. where I feel a little... It, it makes me reflect, and sometimes it makes me feel a little sad and think about things that I've lost or time yeah. that's just gone by. Or, But it also makes me think, you know...
1: Mm-hmm. There's there's light it's there's okay. hope yeah yeah I, I try to have this uh, I think I just do it naturally but and this f- thinking about your past and being nostalgic I think I was just born with that I don't <laughs> think that's born on the, on, the, on on the inscape I think I was just I'm just built that way.
0: You seem uh, some fairly engaged on the video elements of what you do, mm-hmm. and uh, if people go to your website, they'll see these great videos, and and it looks like you put a lot of time and effort into them, and you're. Not afraid to be in the videos and and present, and uh, even even the ones where we're just, I think, watching you play the piano yeah. and they show the notes and mm-hmm. all those. I mean, they're all so great, and it looks like you put a lot of heart into the visual elements.
1: I think, yeah. yeah well, I I have this career that's a bit you know hybrid between uh, music uh, to applied to the image and uh, image applied to the music. Right. You know, so I I, I like this. People uh, say cinematic, cinematic. Yeah. Does that
0: feel that way to you?
1: I think it is, objectively I think yeah. it is, because I listen back to my own work, and I'm like, yes, I think this is cinematic. But uh, yes, I do, I, I think it's very important the way that uh, it's, the music is presented visually for me. At my show is also very visual, not the one you'll, you'll see tonight, because it's a more classical venue, Right. but I have this whole... Um, sonography, uh, my show that I'm presenting.
0: That's too bad. I was uh, hoping to see some, maybe. I figured you might be, have some visual elements.
1: Yeah, maybe. well, it's because it's Macy Hall. It's, uh, the, the, uh, it's Roy Thompson Roy Hall, Thompson, but yeah. it's the whole uh, you know, network. And uh, I, 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 I would have liked to, but we can't always do it because it's a long setup and everything. So sure. it's also just practical reasons.
0: So uh, I think I was looking at uh, one of the videos and I thought to myself, I think it was in Changing Winds. I was looking, and I, mm-hmm. I thought, is, "Are you in your? Actually, it looks like you're in your apartment." Oh no, right
1: it's now. not my apartment. Thank God.
0: <laughs> you wouldn't do that. Sorry to, yourself. to this person
1: if she's hearing me. But no, it's not my apartment. Okay. No, we went to this. The director wanted to go. Uh, I mean, I'm imply, I'm, I'm, I imply, I implicate myself in the visual, but mostly I work with directors in right. production companies. Right. Um, so Vincent, his name Vincent René Lorty, he wanted to have this very depressing apartment. Uh, you know, a bit like Japan, like very much like sure. piled up apartments and something depressing. And me in this context, just the,
0: they feel real. I guess that's why I, I maybe felt that way. As it felt like very like you're not trying to pull one over on us, kind of thing. Of course, you are when we when we you tell me that story. Yeah. But well,
1: if you would have seen, I think the the, the apartment as it was um, decorated, you would have known it wasn't mine. It's just that we we did this, you know, how they do right <laughs> on a set cheating.
0: Um. <laughs> this is a lot of personal discovery for you and when, you, when you're writing and, but it is such a moment in time right now, where everywhere you look, there's this incredible social change, there's this incredible cultural change. You do write these cinematic pieces that do fit with stories of difficulty, drama. Mm -hmm. Are you feeling like you're reflecting the world Um, beyond yourself?
1: I think so. I Mm -hmm. mean, I think so also because now I get a lot of feedback from people, very touching uh, messages Mm -hmm. uh, daily uh, that associated with... uh, parent dying uh, an illness or just memories or just giving birth to my music or making a kid fall asleep to it so it's always very you know human oriented uh, stories and so i could see that uh, for some reason my emotions are reaching out to other people's emotions and uh, inner world
0: and so that must be overwhelming
1: it can get overwhelming. Uh-huh. I have to. Th- I have to be able to think about it and deal with it well because I. Don't, I don't want to. I, I mean, it's very precious uh, things that people are telling me, so I have to be careful about it's
0: the it. the big events of their lives.
1: It's the huge events of their set, lives. I mean, you music. can't say bullshit to somebody telling you, oh. uh... My dad died this weekend, and he died listening to Changing Winds, and right. we had helped our family to have some hope. I mean, what you have oh to have to be—you have to be, you have to be uh, human, yeah. and and so I reflect on this, mm-hmm. and, I, and I try to, and I talk to people who work in uh, psychology and stuff like that, and I get some tools because you know I want to—I I want to take care of this
0: mm-hmm. as a just as a human being, not even as
1: an artist. Hmm?
0: and yourself
1: and myself yeah <laughs> because people project things on artists they you do they, 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 you, you become this sort of symbolic figure
0: all, and all I do is project it is very visual there are a lot of images involved when I listen to your record it's just I have just this rotating cast of, of
1: right but what I say people. to people usually is these are your images these mm-hmm. are your memories mm-hmm. these are your, it's your it's your life you know I don't I don't have a part in this except. Doing my best to tell you how I feel. And then the rest is just that we're connected. We're we're humanly connected.
0: Yeah. When you have a record like Inkscape, by the way, congratulations on the Polaris stuff. Thank you. It's exciting. It is. I think you're like the only, maybe the only classical recording in the list. Is that?
1: Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I I, I don't know.
0: Classical quote unquote. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really great. I, I, I hope it continues to go forward and...
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't expect anything. I'm just happy that they mentioned my record and then they, they see me, you right. know, basically.
0: We mentioned uh, InScape, how you came up with the name, but when you, when you think about that name, what are, what are you getting at?
1: InScape, it means inner landscapes, right? And it's also a very interesting philosophical concept that means the unicity in each, uh, the singularity in mm-hmm. each human being. And so that was because of the, the whole story that I lived, I was really looking towards, you know, that point in my life. So it made sense. So I went through all these inner landscapes in order to look for that point in me. And so that's, that's the story of Inscape. It made so much sense.
0: It does make a lot of sense yeah. and it makes a lot of sense as the name of this record. It makes
1: a right? sense artistically and also personally.
0: We all go through personal things, and mm-hmm. and obviously you went through a, a big change to get to this moment. And I think you're in, in, you know, when you take a risk, and I think that's what you did. There can be a reward with that, and I, I think maybe you're feeling like
1: oh, that's yeah. happening for you, right? Definitely, now. I think you do have to take risks, yeah, in order to get rewards. I mean, reward is. There's a word, maybe that I wouldn't have used like yeah, that, it's a, but it's a strange. It's one, a strange but. one, but 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 you do get some positive growth, growth, yeah, exactly
0: with risk. So how are you doing out in the big bad world? I mean, you're you're out seeing it right now. You're experiencing. We're seeing just this time of massive political change. Um, I think it's on everybody's mind. There's a general sense mm-hmm. of disease ease mm. and um, uh, anxiety, and it's hard to, to just trudge along day after day and I think it's somebody who, as you point out who feels big know, about the world around you can be maybe even paralyzing
1: it can I mean I, I honestly I do a lot of denial I have to right. <laughs> but I also chose to to go around about the world and playing some soft piano music emotional mm-hmm. so my it's my way this is like this is the best that I could do to do something in these times. This is my best. This right. is what I can provide. Is I'm going to try to put some beautiful piano music out there that makes people reflect on their own humanity and their heart and I hope that maybe, you know, this is my way of doing resistance. Right. <laughs> it's the soft way, the soft quiet way. So that's that's my response so, so, to it. This is really why I do this every day.
0: Sometimes that's easier for people. You know.
1: Oh, it's definitely easier for me. I hate conflict. Yeah. Oh, I'm very bad at conflict. <laughs> I'm better at just hiding the truth and you, pretending like everything's okay. No. You must
0: have had a really hard time with that breakup then, you know, because then you were... You know, oh, you,
1: yeah, but sometimes if you hide, if you, if you don't say, if you don't, that's exactly what happened. If yeah. you don't express yourself enough, you know, this is your relationship advice here. Yeah. If you don't express yourself enough, then it's going to blow up in your face. There we go. You have to be connected and you have to tell the truth and you have to express yourself
0: Dear to Alexandra. your loved
1: one and to everybody <laughs> in order to connect with them.
0: I would imagine you're starting to think about maybe the next recording.
1: I, I am starting to. It's starting to bubble in me to have some new stuff. Yeah.
0: Is it going to feel different? Do you think? Do you think you, you? Do you go and look at the success of this record and think about? Everything it's it's been able to do, and establishing your sound and your own personality and your own musical personality. Do you think, oh, I have to change it up now?
1: No, no. I'm not like that. No, yeah. I look, I I do look at the sequence. I look at PianoScope. I look at Inkscape. I'm like, hmm, what's next? You know, right. I do think this way, but mostly I'm just going to try to stay true to myself because I think this is how you get the best art out of out of yourself as an artist. You know, just stay true. I I, I will maybe think about adding some more things and just piano but I did already do that on Inscape, and I came back to solo piano because I think it's so strong to have this solo instrument yeah. because there's one human voice you know and I think you get a lot of strength from that but I might try to switch things around a little some flute flute I doubt it no soprano saxophone either. <laughs>
0: the Oscars didn't convince you to throw some no, flute on there? No, I don't think... If anything, they made you say no flute. If
1: I do flute, <laughs> it would be more like on a score or something that I would right. do like...
0: Uh, is that something you look at maybe doing at some point? Like a complete...
1: Oh, yes. I, have, I actually have some projects right. uh, on, uh, on the table right now that I have to... Uh,
0: very exciting.
1: Yes, yes. Very it's an exciting, exciting
0: life right It now. is. It's
1: a great life. I'm I'm very privileged.
0: And it feels... You know what I like? I, I talked about this a lot and... People listening to this now won't be able to see this show because it, it, it is tonight and but um, nine p.m. at Roy Thompson Hall. Yeah, with that great. Yeah. But
1: you know, people are sitting on stage with me today. We're all sitting together on stage. Is that true? Yeah, it's not. I'm not playing in the big hall. It's like an intimate f- formula where people are around the piano.
0: It's That's gonna incredible. Be, it's going to be great. I had no idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be... I'm sort of sad.
0: I've ruined my own surprise. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It was
1: actually announced. If you if you read properly <laughs> <Maybe I should've, laughs> the program... I should have read the, uh, the
0: fine, the fine print. <laughs> I think
1: many will have the surprise, though.
0: Okay, well, it has been a real pleasure to talk to you, well. and congratulations. Thank you. And I'm just so excited. And uh, when I got here to Classical FM, somebody told me, hey, there's this record, InScape, you might want to have a listen to it. And I'm so glad I did and learned all about uh, your past music and, and the videos and everything that's happening. So,
1: Thank congrats. you so much.
0: Oh, my goodness. Isn't she great? The wonderful, thoughtful, funny Alexandra Streliski alexandrastralisky.com. The record is InScape. The first album is Pianoscope. You can stream or download both of those. Thanks to Matt and the entire gang at Secret City Records. They helped to put this together, secretcityrecords.com, and a wonderful uh, lineup of musicians on that label. And if you live in Quebec, you probably aren't listening to this, but uh, (laughs) my goodness, Alexandra is playing seemingly every town in your province I mean literally and uh, she'll be at the National Arts Centre in Ottawa on May 23rd 2020 I also want to thank our sponsors Red Eye Media and Crows Theatre go see Julius Caesar at Crows located on the corner of Carlaw and Dundas in Toronto's East End it's on through February 2nd just fantastic what a powerhouse production Crowstheater.com for timing and tickets it's selling out so you should act now Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this first episode of Season 2. You can listen to episodes at classicalfm.ca, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and, of course, artattheendoftheworld.com. We're on Twitter at Art at the End. You can find our Facebook page. You can find me on Instagram. My name is Mark Wigmore. We'll speak with you next week and for as long as we can.